follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Stars that shine between the lines. If you would let yourself go, find some place you know. You can use your words, use your hands. You can change the world. Just pretend, express yourself, take a chance, and you'll see who you'll be. It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Imagination, something we all had as children, but it isn't gone once we grow up. All of our dreams and desires come from our imagination. We must never never let go of our creativity, the heart of our imagination. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Asia, and today the theme for our show is the gift of imagination. And I'm Caitlin. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be the Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. Today, we have a wonderful guest to talk with us about imagination and how wonderful it is. Ken Liu, a lawyer, programmer, and acclaimed author, he published Grace of Kings, and in Grace of Kings, a willing bandit and a noble duke joined together to challenge a tyrannical emperor in a grand fantasy inspired while also being uh, inspired by East Asian historical romances is also inspired by Western epic poetry. The Grace of Kings has been described as war and peace with silk-draped airships and romance of the three kingdoms with submarines. Hi, Ken. How are you? And we are so very excited to have you here with us. Hi, Caitlin and Asia, and I'm really glad to be here. Thank you very much. So why is imagination so important? You said before that the value of imagination has often been misunderstood. Why? Yes. So here's something that I think a lot of people misunderstand about imagination. Uh, A lot of times people think about imagination as the ability to fantasize, uh, to escape from reality, Mm -hmm. to think of things that don't exist. And that's part of it, but I don't think that's the most important value for imagination at all. I think what's really valuable in imagination is the fact that it allows us to see connections between things that are not obviously connected. In fact, I think imagination is the foundation of empathy, the most important quality for us as human beings. It is imagination, the ability to to envision how another feels that gives us the ability to connect with each other to uh, really treat all of us as members of a single species. It really is the most important quality uh, for us surviving in this complicated world today. I think that you're absolutely right. You really articulated that um, so beautifully because I think you're right. I think a lot of people tend to disregard that connection. 
Um, so that's really, really important and awesome. Uh, now, The Grace of Kings is an epic fantasy, which is pretty different from science fiction. Uh, do you see a connection between the two, though? I do. Um, so I, uh, before I became a novelist, uh, I was known for writing science fiction short stories. So a lot of people expected me to write my first novel as a science fiction novel. But, um, you know, I, I actually think that science fiction and fantasy and all these genres of speculative fiction are connected uh, in ways that are not obvious. Um, they're really all speculative fiction in the sense that they're about literalizing metaphors. Uh, what I mean is that um, even realist fiction uh, is very much about metaphors. Uh, the, the reason fiction is different from nonfiction is primarily because the way it persuades people, persuades the reader, is different. It's a different kind of rhetorical mode. Fiction relies on the idea of logic of metaphors rather than the logic of rationality. Uh, it persuades in a different way in the, uh, in the sense of the, the classical Greeks. So um, what, what science fiction and fantasy do is rather than leaving the metaphors uh, latent, uh, it, it literalizes them. You know, when, when you write a fantasy story about uh, a mother's love for her children and, and you represent this in, this, in, in the way of, say, uh, paper animals or other uh, toys that she makes for him coming alive, that's a way to, 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 to make something that is just a metaphor, something that is not tangible, real. Uh, and, and by doing that, you have a way of working with it uh, and trying to um, tell a story with it that you cannot do using realist techniques. And so, you know, epic fantasy and science fiction are really both different modes of using metaphors and literalizing them to tell the story. And so for me, when I shifted to doing epic fantasy, it's just because I wanted to tell a larger story and I wanted to make use of both magical and technological metaphors for my story. Now, can we elaborate a little more on The Grace of Kings? Can we just talk about your book for a little while? Could you give us just like a little rundown of your book in your own words? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, this is, this is a, a book that I've been working on for many years, and I really love it. So I'm very much inspired by, um, by old epic poems uh, like um, Beowulf, like Paradise Lost, like uh, the, the Aeneid, um, uh, or something like uh, the Homeric epics. Uh, I, I think all of these great classical epics have something uh, fundamental to them, which is that they are the foundational narrative for their respective cultures. Mm -hmm. um, these important epics are stories that a people tell themselves to define who they are. And, and you might think, you know, this is something really classical and ancient and not relevant to us, but it's really not. It's actually very relevant to us today. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of us, um, a lot of our listeners probably are Americans. Um, and yeah. we Americans have our own uh, foundational narrative. And, and that's, uh, for us, it it's comes in two major epics. And one of them is the Revolutionary War and the other is the Civil War. Mm -hmm. These are foundational narratives for America because we still retell the story. I mean, you know, right now the most popular musical is Hamilton. And, and what is it? It's a, it's, a, it's a retelling of the great epic of the American Revolution. These are stories that we tell ourselves over and over again to, to define who we are. Um, and, and that's why these, these stories are so fascinating. They are, they are the foundational narratives that people struggle with. They inspire the imagination of an entire people. Uh, they, are, they are the stories that we struggle with, struggle against. Um, we build with them and we build against them. 
and, and so I wanted to 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 um, do something interesting here because as much as I love these great great um, foundational narratives uh, from the Western tradition, I'm also really familiar with another uh, tradition, uh, which is the Chinese literary tradition, and then the Chinese literary tradition. Uh, being very distinct from the West, also has its own foundational narrative, and one of them is the founding of the Han Dynasty uh, back in 200 BC or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And this was a t- period of time where an evil emperor was overthrown, and warlords took over it and, and founded uh, different states. And eventually, two of the most powerful war- warlords had to go into a major battle to define uh, how they wanted to envision uh, the, the, the nation and the people uh, to move forward. Uh, and this is a story that's been told and retold many times in, in Chinese literature, uh, and it's, it's in a lot of ways defines how the Chinese think of themselves and how, how the Chinese envision their own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted to take this epic narrative and transpose it and reimagine it you know, there's imagination again. Reimagine it and see the connections between this particular story and the great epics of the West. Uh, and so I took tropes from both Western and Eastern traditions. I took elements of steampunk, elements of great mythical fantasy, and I, I put them all together, and I, I tried to make the story work. Uh, that would allow me to say something about how one foundational narrative from, from one culture can translate and transform and be reimagined using the tropes and techniques of, of the, 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 the classical traditions of a bunch of other cultures. Uh, and so, you know, in a lot of ways, the story is also um, a kind of uh, uh, a mini uh, recap of, of the story of our nation, of America, because, you know, uh, America is also about inheriting classical traditions and, and, and uh, from, from the Romans, from the Greeks, uh, from uh, the United Kingdom, and, and trying to forge something new. Uh, and and that's, that's what I wanted to do here. That is wow. so yeah, cool. I think that that is just so fascinating that you were able to combine these two very, very different narratives to make The Grace of Kings. Uh, I think that that probably makes your story pretty different from other books. Um, what would you say makes The Grace of Kings different from other novels or books? Well, it, it, is, it is different, and it's also the same. You know, like I was saying earlier, right, imagination is about seeing connections between things that are very distinct and, and, and separate. And so um, I, I wanted to do something here. So, so let me try to, try to distinguish it from, from things that it's usually compared to. So a lot of people compare it to high fantasy like Tolkien. Um, and it is a little bit like... Uh, Lord of the Rings, but also very different. Um, Lord of the Rings is is a very is very much about a meditation and, and reflection on um, the great uh, West European um, mythical traditions. And, and Tolkien was really trying to reconstruct a mythology and and to make um, a modern reader understand the mythical grandness of that way of thinking. Uh, I'm doing something like that, but also quite different. What I'm doing here is. Unlike great tradition, uh, and the great epics of traditional high fantasy, um, I'm, I'm not constrained to a magical system or, or a mythical framework. I have gods and I have goddesses and I have magic in the books. But also, the most important kind of magic that the characters wield is really engineering. It's very much a book about engineering and a universe that is ultimately knowable. Um, and so there's a lot of um, uh, machines and, and, and clever inventions uh, and this sort of renaissance-like feeling of, of people doing um, 
uh, inventive, uh, smart things to make technology work and do something that they, they, they weren't able to do before. It's in a lot of ways trying to conceive of uh, steampunk using a classical Chinese tradition. So I call it silk punk. Uh, it, it's, it's both an aesthetic as well as a kind of uh, ideological argument about how to write a fantasy that uses a lot of uh, science fictional elements in a way that doesn't feel contrived. Um, and so, it, you know, I, I think the book should appeal to fantasy fans as well as science fiction fans because fundamentally it's about um, seeing connections between the two and how you can really imagine and envision engineering as a kind of poetry um, and uh, to reconceive of uh, a historical uh, epic and a historical narrative in the form of something that is also really identifiable to us. Uh, I, I put a lot of humorous um, moments into the book uh, because, you know, the, the, a lot of these historical epic fantasies are just really take themselves way too seriously, in my opinion. Uh, I, I put a lot of lighthearted moments in there, and, and hopefully that uh, it's the sort of book that everyone would actually have fun and that's with. that's good. That's good. It makes it relatable. Yeah, that, that's the hope. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Ken, for this awesome conversation. We absolutely love talking to you, and we're actually going to continue this conversation during our next segment, so we really can't wait for that. Check out more about Ken's book on his website at kenliu.name. That's K-E-N-L-I-U dot name. Don't miss out. Definitely check that out. During the break, everyone, be sure to check out our radio site as well at expressyourselftuneradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Caitlin Darrow. Also, please be sure to visit our charity site at btsya.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on the gifts of imagination. You're a responsible person, and you're trying to do everything you can to save the planet. But are you doing enough? We've got the right person to help you keep on thinking green. Mario Jr. is the host of Alive and Green. The show is all about green tips, staying environmentally friendly, and having fun while doing something great for our Mother Earth. You'll want to check out the show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. If we all do our part now, it'll only mean a brighter and better future for us later. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. Tune in to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs in general. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome to our uplifting, life-inspiring program. I'm Asia Gonzalez, and you're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kid Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. And I'm Caitlin Darrow, and today our show is all about imagination. We are back with the very imaginative Ken Liu, who is the author of Grace of Kings, which is a fantasy book based off of old China and Western romantics. Ken is also a lawyer and a programmer, so he is just full of surprises, and we're excited to find out more about him. Hi, Ken. Hi, Caitlin and Asia. Thanks for having me back. So what is your favorite part about being a writer and why? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> gosh, there, there are so many, but I'll, I'll just pick one. I think my absolute favorite part about writing, uh, being a writer, is just the fact that um, I get paid, really, to create worlds. And, and to make up, uh, make up stories. I mean, these are things that I would do even if I weren't being paid. And the fact that I'm actually getting paid to do something that I love is just incredible. Uh, I, I'm thankful every day for my readers uh, uh, for the fact that they allow this to happen. Uh, it really is a dream come true. That is awesome. And, you know, one thing that I was thinking about when we were talking earlier about your book, uh, when, whenever the word epic came up, I would think of ancient Greece and how they would share epics to keep their history going. And I was kind of thinking about that on uh, the way that you wrote your book and the influences that you used. Um, Can you kind of elaborate on your characters? I wanted to hear more about, you know, what their role is in in the story and... I just kind of to hear what their connection is and their connection to reality because we we do have influences in there of history so i really wanted to hear from you what you thought about your characters oh absolutely um so so let me tell you um uh two two little anecdotes um one of them will sort of go back <laughs> to this whole idea about the orality of, of epics you know the the way, the way you brought up the epic the, the oral tradition uh, of epics which is really important so um epics really are are um stories they are they're stories yeah. told by people to, to other people, um, uh, and and uh, and and the, the oral tradition of, of epics is very much um, uh, what makes them so compelling in a lot of ways. And in fact, the way I got inspired to write this book uh, is pretty much based on the same reason. Uh, when I was a little boy, um, I lived in China with my grandmother, and uh, one of the things that I would do is. Uh, listen to the storytellers on the radio. So this is a very old, old Chinese art form. Um, and, and storytellers would just uh, get up in tea houses and tell stories, and people would just listen to them. Uh, this, this went on for centuries, uh, and in the modern age, they do it over the radio. Um, and so this was my exposure to the great uh, works of classical Chinese literature, like Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I, I didn't read it as a little boy. I, I listened to it uh, as a storyteller, told the stories over the radio. Uh, and so every day uh, in elementary school, uh, uh, because we, ha- we didn't have lunch at school, I would run home to meet my grandmother 
and and as we had lunch, we'd listen to the um, the story together. Uh, and so those stories were, you know, really in a lot of ways the very first stories I knew, and, and they formed the foundation of my imagination of, of how I think uh, about politics, about war, about. Uh, about stories, you know, the, the very first stories you know in a lot of ways are the most important stories for mm-hmm. you. Uh, I'm sure you, you, all of us really have this experience yeah. where we remember some story that we knew as a child that, you know, one of the first books that our parents read to us, we, we sort of remember that very fondly, even 20 years later. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's the yeah. kind of thing that, that just sticks with you. So that's, that's, that's kind of um, how, how I got started. And, and the, oral, the, the oral tradition of, of epic storytelling is very much part of that. Now, um, onto your question about the characters. So <laughs> um, in epics, um, so this is another, another way in which my book is a little bit different. So when you say something like epic fantasy, which is what my book is classified as, epic fantasy as a genre, as a modern genre, um, is, is not really like epic poetry anymore. Um, modern uh, epic fantasy is very much influenced by the modernist movement in the sense that um, modern novels after the modernist movement are very much concerned about constructing real, realistic characters from psychological complexity. So... There's a lot of interiority, a lot of um, uh, uh, deep dives into motivations, into into why the person's doing this, what what she's feeling, what she's thinking, why she's doing this, so on and so forth. And and that's what we think of as as a realistic kind of portrayal. Um, In epic poetry, though, if you go back to read something like um, uh, the the Trojan War, uh, the Trojan you know epics. Um, like Iliad and the Odyssey or yeah. something like the Aeneid. Um, That's exactly what I think of every time I hear that word. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you read these books, these, these actual epics um, in translation or otherwise, what you'll find is that the way they, they, they portray characters is very, very different. Um, everything is externalized. You know, I, I was talking earlier about the, the way speculative fiction is about externalizing and literalizing metaphors. That's the way epics sort of portray characters. It's not about psychological depth. You know, when you read about Achilles, the wrath of Achilles, um, there, there's not a whole lot of deep dive into why does Achilles feel this way? You know, is it about his parents? Well, you know, what, 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 was, what was he like as a 12-year-old? You know, does that, does that have something to do with this? It's, it's, it's not like that at all. You're, you're simply assumed, uh, you're, you're simply told to assume that this is true. There's a lot of telling you this is the way it is. Um, and, and, and that style of character portrayal and storytelling has gone out of fashion after the modernist movement. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, a lot of times if you, uh, if you want to be a writer, people tell you, show but don't tell. And the idea is that in the modern uh, sense, we want to, we want to, we, we no longer want the narrative voice to tell us something is true. We want to sort of be shown in the true, be shown that it is true um, through a lot of um, uh, contextual clues that something is in fact true. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, I, I think just because it's not popular as a way of, of construct, portraying characters or, or trying to tell a story, doesn't mean it's not good. Um, it's, it's sort of like, I think of it as, as the comparison between oil paintings and uh, brush paintings. You know, you look at a brush painting portrait of somebody and you say, well, that's not realistic. And in a way, you'd be right, because the way we think of oil paintings and the way they mm-hmm. use light and the way they, they deal with shadow and perspective. Right, there's, there's a certain sense that, 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 that the pictures are real. But, you know, if you compare that to a photograph, of course, it's, it's different again. Yeah. Uh, 
but but just because uh, a brush painting portrait doesn't focus on those things doesn't doesn't mean it's any less real. It's just focused on a different way of giving you reality. So anyway, I wrote the Grace of Kings to be more like epic poems rather than like modern epic fantasy. There's so much more.、Uh, what I did is I、um, uh, I mean this is something that that readers. Uh, who are not used to the style may have to get used to because I really tell the story in a lot of ways like a modernized version of a classical epic.、Um, it's 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 all about the, the, sometimes there there are a lot of places where characters are presented and and the narrative which just tells you something is true, assume it's true. Don't don't question it. Let's go on from there. Let's assume this is true and and see where it goes. The characters、yeah. in a lot、yeah. of ways are are bigger than life. They are they are simple. Yes, yes, they're they're stand-ins. They 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 in some ways demand、uh, that the reader put more imagination to work to 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 fill in the flesh and blood、um, on, on the skeleton that I've drawn in,、uh, and I think a lot of readers actually enjoy that because it's different from from what they're used to in the kind of epic fantasy that they're reading,、uh, and, and some readers don't.、Uh, but but I think that's okay. You know, not every book's for everyone, and I wanted to write a book that was very much me. Uh, and that that would appeal、That's、to people. Yeah, that was so eloquently put.、Um, it's just so interesting to hear about all of this, and in relations to your book,、um, I was really, really fascinated too.、Um, as you were saying, you know, growing up, you had heard these stories, and it really was the foundation to your childhood.、Um, and I know a lot of our listeners are teenagers and in high school and middle school. So I kind of wanted to bring it back to that and ask you、um, if there was one piece of advice that you would give to the teenage you.、Uh, what exactly would that be? Oh wow,、uh, <laughs> that's fun.、Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I guess what I would say is this:、um, I, if I could meet the teenage me again, I would tell him,、uh, you know, all those things that you thought were really important. Turns out, a lot of it is not that important. It, it really didn't matter. What score you got on that test, and it, it doesn't really matter whether you got to go to that dance or not. And none of these things are actually all that important. Twenty years later, what is important though is all the memories you will have of trying things、uh, and and trying to gain new experiences. So I would say,、uh, if if there's anything that that I I can tell the teenage me and make sure that he got it, it's it's this:、um, don't focus too much on doing things that. You're told needs to be done.、Uh, don't don't focus too much on that.、Um, focus on just trying to get as many interesting new experiences as possible. Open yourself up to experiencing new things because、uh, as you grow older,、uh, these experiences will become more and more vivid and more and more important to you.、Uh, having tried more things when you're young is a lot more valuable than studying a few extra hours and getting five more points on that test. That's awesome. I think that is super true because, you know, we get so caught up in these little moments, and we're thinking, "Oh my goodness, you know, this is what's so super important right now." But we don't take that time to think, you know, when I'm like 25, is this going to matter to me? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I know that、uh, you know a lot of your listeners、uh, are probably really stressed out about things like college applications and things like that. <laughs> and I gotta tell you. Uh, I, I was in the same boat, and I, I was utterly、yeah. uh, consumed by that process. And I felt as like it's hard this, not to be. It, it, it really is hard not to be, and, and you think that's the one decision that will change your life. And you know、yeah. what? It's not. I did not get into the school that 
that was my first choice, and it really didn't matter at all. Uh, I, I can't tell you how. I mean, I'm sure every single adult you talk to will end up telling you that's the truth.、Uh, yeah. It just really didn't matter. It, it seems like such an important decision at the time, such an important thing. It, it's it's just not. No matter where you go, you'll have a great time. You'll learn a lot. You'll make friends, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Ken. We absolutely love talking to you today. You're absolutely wonderful, and you're a huge inspiration. And we really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much for giving us insight on imagination and what it really means. Be sure to check out Ken's book at kenlu.com. Dot name that is K E N L I U dot name. Definitely check out more of his book. It is awesome, and you'll definitely want to read it. To support our show and these amazing segments, give a donation to Be the Star You Are charity that brings you this program. You will not regret it. For more info on how to do this, go to www dot Be the Star You Are dot org. I'm Asia Gonzalez. And I'm Caitlin Darrow. Also, remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. When we come back from break, we will take it in a new direction. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Voice America Kids now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general, and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors, and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon appetit! Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions LLC as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit expressyourselfteenradio.com. Now back to our star teens. 
Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Today's topic is imagination. We have our very own Hope Hills reporter, Zara Hosnane, with us today. Uh, she's going to be reading a chapter from uh, Cynthia Bryan's award-winning book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. And she'll specifically be reading the chapter, The Gift of Imagination. So it goes perfectly with our show today. Pick up a copy for yourself or for a gift at www.starstyleradio.net at our store. All proceeds benefit the charity Be the Star You Are, which brings you this broadcast. Okay, so I'm going to read The Gift of Imagination. If you want to know why imagination is important, just ask a child to tell you a story. Children's minds are filled with chocolate moons, whipped cream clouds, cows that fly, dogs that talk, and many invisible friends. As soon as we could breach the pedals, my brothers, sisters, and I learned to drive in a 1930s Ford Jalopy. It had three gears and a maximum speed of about 35 miles per hour. My dad had to cut the top off so... My dad had cut the top off of it so we could imagine that it was like convertible. We had to drive it up, we loved to drive it up and down the ranch roads and through the vineyards, pretending we were traveling in far away lands. One afternoon, my sisters and the children of the field laborers decided to go on an adventure. While driving through the fields, they spotted a deer and they wanted to play with it. The deer started running. The jollopy, with about six little kids in it, went in rapid pursuit. When the deer jumped over a small ravine, the kids thought the car could jump too. After all, didn't Freddie McMurray's car fly in the movie Flubber? The jalopy flew all right, over the ravine and right into several grapevines, throwing the kids' seats and all out of the car. There were no seatbelts back in those days. The muffler was broken off and the windshield cracked, but amazingly, no one was hurt. The jalopy came to a halt. The... Deer pranced away, and the kids wiped the dirt off their faces and assessed the damage. What are we going to tell Daddy, they thought. They had to come up with a believable story so they wouldn't get in trouble for damaging his grapevines and the jollopy. As the kids were walking home, they hit on a foolproof idea. They marched together in a tractor bar and began telling Dad their story. We were out on a drive inspecting the vineyards when, out of nowhere, a big train came and plowed into the jollopy. The train then knocked down the grapevines, and we were lucky to escape with our lives. My dad listened intently, asking for more details. The kids went on and on, and the story grew to such proportions that my dad could hardly contain himself. Finally, they finished, certain they had convinced him. Dad told them how much he appreciated their honesty and how happy he was that they survived the ordeal. However... Train or no train, they were grounded and would not be allowed to drive again until they understood the responsibility of being behind the wheel of a car. In addition, they would have to pay off the damages by working in the fields. The wonderful part of the story is that it was several years before the kids realized that my dad had not brought their story, even though there wasn't a train track for 50 miles. My dad had so enjoyed their enormous communal imagination and was so relieved to know that everyone was all right that he had the good heart to play along. Children constantly remind us what it is like to be free, innocent, and playful. I know that's why I enjoy working with them, to make sure they don't lose that sense of wonder and magic when they enter the grown-up world of acting. And my daughter, Heather, has always had an active, frolicking imagination. As a small child, she would draw funny pictures and ask me to write down the story that went with the picture. 
I saved most of them, and today we reread them and laugh until we cry. The stories make no real sense, but they're original, usually about animals teaching humans an important lesson in living. Her reality of working with animals was created first in her imagination. Okay, and the exercise is called Just Imagine. Children are great at imagining they are someone or something else. Become a child for 10 minutes. Find a room that has a full-length mirror. Lock the door, look in the mirror, and become the person you most want to be. Is it a rock star, a pro ball player, Miss America, an astronaut, or president? Do you want to win an Academy Award, a Nobel Prize, or the love of your life? Sing, dance, applaud, scream, yodel, or travel to distant shores? Imagination is the beginning of reality. Savor the moment. Wow, thank you so, so much for reading that chapter. I think that obviously it coincides perfectly with our show today, which is what it's based on. Um, And I think that it really just shows that imagination is so important and it's really the basis of all things. Zara, since you are our Hope Heals reporter, do you think that Hope and Imagination are collaborators? Because I definitely feel like they kind of go hand in hand when you're imagining, using your imagination and having hope. I feel like the two are pretty related. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think that they're linked because I think that imagination gives people the hope that they can achieve all their wildest dreams and they can live in a kind of world that they can mold into their own. I think with imagination, you know, you create stories which you think on like even some weird level you can really relate to and that gives you the hope that you aren't alone, that you can create your own world and, you know, you don't have to just abide by all the, you know, very rigid rules of life. And so I think that's um, a very hopeful thought and imagination is I think one of the biggest sources of hope in the world. So what do you think your interpretation of imagination is, and how can we really encourage it in our lives? Um, Well, I think the biggest thing that imagination gives people is, like, freedom. Um, Like, I don't know, whenever someone says imagination, I think of that song from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where he talks about the, uh, you know, Willy Wonka talks of, like, the uh, land of pure imagination. He says... Um, living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. And, like, you know, just like Cynthia said in um, the chapter um, of The Gift of Imagination, kids constantly remind us that, you know, freedom is a really sweet thing. Um, But as you grow up, as much as you, like, think that you're free and mature and truth, like, I think um, a lot of adults and young adults are uh, really intimidated um, by too much freedom. And they think that oh, like, you know, idealism and all those fake stories are just for kids, but they fail to realize that, you know, that's, like, um, what kids have and what adults don't is that power to be imaginative, and that's what gives kids sometimes the edge over adults. Um, So I think, um, yeah, so that's just, you know, just remembering that um, is helpful to encourage yourself to be imaginative. And also just, um, I think like recognizing that imagination is useful as well um like you know nobody wants to sit through like a boring presentation in class but when someone thinks of something really imaginative like you're engaged and you're like very attentive and I know you know like usually you get a better grade too if you have like something in your presentation that's really unique and imaginative and those are the imaginative people are the one that uh the ones that always you know um end up on top and bring new ideas to the world I agree. We were talking with Ken uh, in an earlier segment, and we were talking about how 
when he was little, he would listen with his grandma to these stories on the radio, and that laid down his beliefs on politics, uh, religion, just these basic things in life. And what I was thinking was, imagination really does set that foundation for what we believe in because we can take whatever we see and we interpret it into our own way. You know, we're not taking an interpretation from somebody else. We're making our own interpretation and we're making our own beliefs based on what we believe and what we feel and what we think and what we create for our own lives and our own opinions. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. And, you know, um, even in a little foolish, or not foolish, I guess, but, you know, even in a children's story um, that you'd usually, you know, just kind of abandon after you you grow up, you're reading more complex books that are all about reasoning and stuff. But then when you look back at those books, it's like a bunch of thoughts come into your head, like, wow, you know, even these, like, little morals, like, sprinkled in there really... um, relate to your own life you can relate them really easily to your own life because sometimes I think we have a little too much realism in our life and people don't appreciate that you don't always have to be like cynical and so like pragmatic you can sometimes just you know if you like sometimes if you take some time to live in a world of your own then you can come back to the real world and really contribute more exactly so so true and I'm actually so glad that you brought up the point of children's books Um, Because it it feels kind of silly to say, but I honestly feel like um, the book The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, I feel like he, like, reading that book as a child, because I would, like, literally read it every day. I had my grandmother read it to me. It was a big part of my childhood, and I feel like growing up, it really set a foundation of the type of person that I would become, if that makes sense. Like, it sounds so strange, like, thinking that a little kid's book could make such an impact, but... If you read it nowadays, because I, I recently reread it um, when I was babysitting, and mm-hmm. it brought back so many memories, and it really made me think, like, wow, this story had a big impact on my life. And, you know, it's not just about a boy in a tree and, you know, a silly little thing. It, it really has a deep story with morals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, like, imagination isn't really an easy thing either. Like, people think it's just, oh, easy escapism, but, like, you know, to really make a story like The Giving Tree or, like, a children's book like that that really resonates with people or, you know, even an adult's book, like, you know, there are still, like, fantasy, like, books for adults. Um, it takes a lot of guts, I think, to, like, imagine that kind of thing and, like, make it work out because it's, like, way harder to imagine a whole world of your own than take aspects of the real world and, like, elaborate on them, in my opinion. I don't know. And I love what you brought up, Caitlin, The Giving Tree, because I remember that you used that kind of story to help you develop your charity that you have right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I did start a 501c3 organization, so, and, you know, we provide clothing and food and items to people in need, and so I feel like, looking back, The Giving Tree, I it kind of taught me that it's better to help others and to give rather than receive and um, that always really resonated with me and I think um, it definitely was like the basis and growing up I I was never really able to connect how that book affected me but now looking back and reflecting and seeing that I started a charity and how much I love volunteering and how much I love helping others I think a lot of it can be attributed to that book. Yeah and I when we're talking about uh, children's books the main children's book that I remember is Skippy John Jones 
and when in that book, <laughs> Rep did, and he had to use his imagination to kind of entertain himself. And when I was a kid, I kind of got grounded a lot, and I was sent to my room a lot, so I had a lot of downtime to myself, and I would have to use my imagination to keep myself entertained. And that was the one book that I thought of when we were talking about children's book was Skippy John Jones and how he had to save all the chihuahuas from the big bumblebee that took all their beans. And it was just thinking of that brought back so many little memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think Cynthia's book as well as, um, or, you know, that uh, chapter um, is really inspiring too because, you know, her dad was playing around, around and just recognized the true power of imagination and setting. Uh, instead of telling his kid something like, oh, you know, I don't want to hear any of those, like, excuses or anything. Yeah. He took it lightly and saw that in order to nurture your mind and actually have a good mind and a good heart, you need to have an imagination. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much, Zara, for this awesome conversation. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. So let's continue talking in our next segment about imagination. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm your host, Asia, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of imagination. And I'm Caitlin. Thanks for staying with us here as we continue our conversation on imagination. This has been a great show, and it's about to get even better with our Art Attack reporter, Brigitte. Hi, Brigitte. Hey, guys. It's Brigitte. And today, we'll be exploring the link between art and imagination. So one thing I really like about creating art is the ability to kind of depict anything that you desire. You can really create anything with your own hands. And I think that kind of ties in perfectly with imagination, where, you know, you can rein in your own imagination. You can, con- you can kind of control it. You know, you kind of pick the ideas from your imaginations that you want, you want to bring out. And so my favorite type of art to look at and to discuss is really abstract art. 
And so abstract art, I feel like, really cultivates imagination because you can use it in so many ways to kind of depict what you're trying to say. And so an artist can really use abstraction to kind of take a subject and twist it to convey his or her own personal message. Abstraction can also kind of be used without a subject, and really you can kind of convey a message through color and patterns without the subject itself. And so these two kind of subgroups within the broader generalization of abstract art really helps to kind of get imagination flowing, and you can take your imagination in so many different ways you know, tandems, different directions. And so I really think that abstract art kind of brings out the best in your imagination. And so it really helps express imagination by allowing the artist to kind of explore the full extent of his or her imagination. But the thing is, some people really don't understand the abstract art method or its worth or its meaning. Because I've actually seen images of abstract pieces online where you know, you'll be posting kind of these pictures of abstract paintings or works online on some kind of message board, and then you'll have a kind of negative discussion following the posts of this piece. And I feel like a lot of people don't really understand the simplicity in abstract paintings in this modern era, where we have less of the confusion type of painting or work where you're displaying a bunch of subjects and more of the simple lines and geometric shapes. And so people don't really understand that and they don't understand the artistic skill that kind of goes behind these paintings. Like for example, I was over at an art camp um, two summers ago and I actually tried to create my own abstract piece and I found out that it was really difficult to create abstract art with your imagination and bring in all these elements while still trying to make the painting, you know, convey what you want it to convey. And so I gained a kind of new appreciation for abstract art. And I really think that abstract art brings out imagination, is a really good form of art, and can convey a message that the artist wants to bring out. And I feel like abstract art artists really portray feelings and subjects through a different line of vision than most people would see it. See, say you're trying to paint an apple, and if you're an artist, you know you paint the apple. It's great. And, but the thing is, if you want to use abstract art to kind of bring out your feelings about that apple or your feelings in this time period of life when you're painting the apple, then you can use abstract art to kind of twist the apple around, maybe paint the apple blue, or use your imagination to kind of use the apple to convey the message you want to convey to audiences. And so an artist can really test the boundaries of his or her imagination through abstract art, using bizarre imagery or a lot of just pure creativity to portray a subject or idea in ways never before seen in the artistic world. And I really like um, this one artist called Wassily Kandinsky, I think it's pronounced, and he's very renowned uh, 19th century Russian painter. And he was actually credited with creating one of the most the first purely abstract paintings. And so he's got several pieces where he has no subject. There's no subject that you can find, no concrete figure that you also see in real in the real world. But he's got a lot of simple geometric shapes and you know bold vibrant colors. And these forms of 
you know, just geometric shapes and vibrant colors, are used liberally throughout the painting. And so Kandinsky really takes the basics of art, of this world, and creates a complex work with, which shows both the extent of his imagination and kind of his ability to inspire it through his painting. And aside from abstraction, imagination is also really crucial to all aspects of art. And so we've talked a lot about abstraction and how imagination is kind of procured through it. But really, all art needs imagination. And artists really rely on fresh ideas and inspiration to boost them and give them something to paint, something to interpret, something to create. And it really takes an, a great amount of imagination to portray, you know, ordinary subjects in a way that really reflects your own interpretation of this subject. And sometimes, you know, when a source of imagination has kind of run dry, an artist really comes to dread the blank face that they're working on. And if you're a painter and you don't have an inspiration that day or that week or even that year, you kind of look at the canvas and you don't know what to paint. You don't know where to take this idea. These, um, You don't know where to take your paintbrush, really, essentially. And so imagination is definitely essential to your painting, to where you want it to go. And imagination and wonderment can also be sparked by the viewing of a painting. So, for example, I actually visited the De Young Museum in San Francisco over the summer, and I happened to walk through a gallery full of art that was inspired by the shape and luminescence of floating bubbles into the light. So there were a lot of sculptures of just floating bubbles, you know, a lot of paintings as well that took a kind of circular bubble shape. And it really got me thinking. And I thought maybe these works of art could inspire me. And so the pieces actually did inspire me to write a full short story in which I kind of imagined maybe a whole world behind these bubble paintings and bubble sculptures where maybe, you know, little people in these bubbles kind of use the bubbles as transportation. And so that inspired me to write a full story. And so I think, you know, art is great in that way where the imagination of an artist who created the piece can then inspire someone else to do something great with that idea behind the piece. Imagination is closely linked to art, both as a source of inspiration and as an element within a work itself. So you can really, that's what inspires people, I feel like, where the artist has put imagination into a piece. And then the viewer can then gain a kind of spark of imagination from that piece, such as I did in the De Young Museum. And that's the really, that's really the great thing about art, where you have this source of inspiration, you have within your imagination something that you want to portray. And with art, and even with abstract art, you can do that, you know. And I feel like abstract art really allows you to not have a boundary. Because in art that is not abstract, you need a subject or you need something specific that you're going to paint, that you're going to portray. But with abstract art, you can take the basics of art. You don't even need a subject. You can just throw your ideas out there and have the world see that. And so if you have within your imagination something that's not conventional, something that can't be portrayed with a subject, then you can take abstract art and you can use it to your utmost advantage and you can, you can create something without a subject that still portrays what you had within your imagination. And 
art is just really beautiful in that way where even if you have a subject and you want to twist it around, you can kind of do, for example, as Picasso did, where he had a certain subject that he saw in a certain light and he decided that conventional art didn't really fit in with what he was trying to display. So he used abstract art, but he kept his subject, where he used his imagination to portray his subject the way he saw her or it. And that created lovely pieces that he then went on to display to a general public who might have gotten an inspiration from that piece. And so imagination is definitely really, really tied in. It's the inspiration for a piece. It can give inspiration to someone through a piece. And it can really just make the artist stop and think and really try to find something to put on his canvas. And when you don't have imagination, when it's absent from the picture, when maybe it's run a dry, you don't have any inspiration, then it's actually really hard to create art. And without a source of kind of inspiration there to put on the canvas, there's nothing to put on. And you really, really find your inspiration in a piece and then you can put it on the canvas. And that's the great thing about art. And I feel like that mm-hmm. is like writer's block. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Block sometimes, but I think if we just kind of take a minute, we can kind of gain our perception back and our inspiration back. If we just take a minute to just be mm-hmm. in that moment, and I think that's where creating abstract art comes from. But one thing to think about is how does an artist know what he's trying to portray and make it abstract? Like, how does he get that idea and how does he get that notion? Like, I'm going to make something abstract and I'm going to make mm-hmm. a piece look totally different from what it actually is. I feel like abstract art really comes in when the artist doesn't know how to portray something conventionally. So mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, maybe I had a dream where there was just a single apple floating in a <laughs> blank white space right and there's no way there yeah there's no way to illustrate that conventionally you know um as if you were just to paint a regular still life maybe you'd put the apple on a table and yeah yeah, that's not what the artist saw right but if you have abstract you know you can really just paint that apple hanging in the middle of the canvas and there's no restriction on you to you know put it on a table put it in a bowl you can just Put on the canvas what you saw within your imagination. Yeah, and so I really think that in that way, abstract art can push you towards greater things, can push you towards greater, you know, art pieces, creating greater art pieces, because you don't have a restriction. Yeah, I would agree. It it helps that. And I think just using abstract, like Picasso, you know, his art had different meanings from Mm -hmm. the way people interpreted it on his paintings. So, as always, Reggie, it's so wonderful to hear your views. I love hearing what you have to say, and it's always the most interesting interesting things that you have. I definitely love hosting with you, and I can't wait to hear from you again next time um, on the next show that we have. Sadly, we have no more time, but we will see you on the next show. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Asia. And I'm Caitlin. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. 
For information on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, have imagination, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself